Welcome to the inaugural season of the Bruin Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. And we have so much to talk about today. The sports world does not slow down regardless of the time of the year. And Darren, I know that you have a list of things that we need to discuss today. It definitely has not been boring, whether it be considered football offseason or not. Especially when you start looking around the SEC and, and some of these other Power Five conferences, things definitely don't just all of a sudden stop because games aren't being played. Let's dig in. So the first thing we probably need to talk about, Darren, is the fact that there's a pretty big game coming up this Sunday. And Super Bowl is pretty intriguing. We got the Bengals and the Rams and when you look at this game, Darren, what what do you think? Are you ready to make a pick? You know, I, I think so. I think it's going to be a, a hope, let's say that. I know typically uh, when you look at historically the way Super Bowl games go, there's been some really exciting ones, and then there are some that have just been awful. Uh, just absolute stinkers, boring games, high scoring, you know, blowouts. But uh, I'm hoping that this one, because of the way that both teams are set up and the way they've played, this one will be a pretty exciting game. Um, and you know, you can't help but think about uh, some of the past Super Bowls with with teams that that got there and, and were unexpected, and that's kind of a fifty fifty shot. But but I really, uh, I really, honestly, I guess hope and think that the the Bengals can pull this one out. Uh, You know, Sean McVay's uh, one uh, trip uh, to the Super Bowl did did not go well. Uh, And, of course, at this time he won't be coaching against Belichick. But I still think – I still think it's it's time for the Bengals to shine. The Rams sure have a shot, and I'm not counting them out by any means. But but I really think it's hopefully it's going to continue for the the Bengals, and it'll be their time to shine. What do you think? You ready to make a pick? I'm hoping, like you, it's a great game, exciting, goes down to the wire. I'll tend to agree with you, Darren, on the Bengals. When you – the playoffs and who wins and who wins the Super Bowl is not – is rarely the best team on paper. It's really whoever gets hot. Yes. And I think to watch the Bengals' playoff run, I mean, they have beaten Tennessee, the number one seed. They've beaten Kansas City, the number two seed. And both those teams are, on paper, better teams than the Bengals. Definitely. And I'm looking at this Rams team, and I'm looking at the the firepower on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm looking at that absolutely pulverizing defensive line that they have and thinking, oh, my goodness, Joe Burrow is going to get murdered. <laughs> But at this point, can you really can you really bet against him? I can't explain it. It's the it factor. Absolutely. So I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with you and and pick the Bengals. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch for sure. 
Uh, and like you said, there's some scary aspects when it looks when it comes to the Rams. But man, you just like you said, when you look at how hot they are, the streak they've been on, boy, it just looks like it's it's kind of going in their favor. I will say this: it's been it's been a joy to see the resurgence of uh, Odell Beckham. Um, yes, just he was just in a dumpster fire there in Cleveland. Whatever was going on whatever the internal tension was, it was obvious that he needed a new environment. He found it uh, with the Rams. But Darren, don't you think the pressure here is all on the Rams? I I mean, they they have sacrificed upcoming draft picks. They've traded them away to get players to make a Super Bowl run. Is their season a failure if they don't win the Super Bowl? I, I tell you, even if it's not, I think that's part of what the the weight they have on their their shoulders. Because because I think part of the the stress that is that is on uh, McVeigh is the fact that uh, that that's his that's kind of his legacy right now. The guy that made it to the Super Bowl and and couldn't pull it off. Uh, and, and when you look at everything that they've done as a team, as an organization, the moves they've made, that the, you know, they're, they're going to ultimately end up facing some salary cap issues. I, I think they really, even if it's just internal and in their own heads, uh, I think they really have a lot more weight on their shoulders. And when you look at the Bing, the Bengals, just like we were talking about with the run they've been on, they went into every single game with nothing to lose. And they've played like that. So I think should have the same expectation for this game. I mean, they literally have nothing to lose. They're going up against the Rams. The Rams are favorite. Favorite. The Rams have been talked about as at least part of the Super Bowl uh, conversation for the majority of the season, and and that's what everybody is going to be looking at. You know, that's what the conversation in the press when they've had all this time to talk about is going to be about. So the, the Mingles can just go out on the field and play their game, just like they've done in the other three games, and and that's worked out pretty well for them. Certainly, their environment. Um, they they seem to be playing for each other. They seem to be playing loose, and and that really works to your favor in a very high stress game like the Super Bowl. Is there a bigger one game sporting event in the world? I, I don't know of one. Yeah, exactly. If there is one, I don't know. I will say this as an LSU fan. Either way, I'll be happy whoever wins because either way, you're going to have. LSU Tigers hoisting that Lombardi trophy. And that's a great thing for us here in Louisiana. Definitely. And, and that'll be exciting. You know, that's part of the fun of watching the game is knowing the guys that have come from LSU and, and are on the field and, and not only just on the team, but have, have played very important roles in, in getting their teams there. That's, that's a, that's definitely an added bonus thing to watch on Sunday. And one step closer to getting you to don the purple and gold that if one step closer is still a long way away. How's that? <laughs> I, I, I never realized people from Tennessee were so stubborn. <laughs> Maybe it's just middle Tennessee. Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Louisiana, we've got some big news uh, in the NFL ranks. The Saints have a brand new coach. Tell us about it, Darren. Yeah, they uh, the, the Saints decided to go in a complete – completely internal, keep it in-house, and have uh, hired Dennis Allen, who is their defensive coordinator. Um, you know, c- kind of looking at it from a pros and cons perspective, 
uh, he, he spent quite a few years uh, with the organization and under uh, um, the, the head coach. Uh, I just absolutely went blank. I've got too many Sean's in my head. Sean, Sean Payton. Payton. I, I couldn't think of anything but Sean Bouvet. Yeah, Sean Payton. Uh, he spent quite a few years under Sean Payton uh, in two different stints, uh, working as a, as a D-line uh, coach and then coming back uh, and, and becoming the defensive coordinator. And has had a really nice run as a defensive coordinator. Now, he has had one stint, one stint as a head coach. And to me, that's kind of the con, uh, the thing that has a little bit of a concern uh, concern to it because you don't typically uh, – head coaching runs kind of parallel one another. If a guy has a, a rough stint, you know, for two or three, four years at one place, when he starts at the next place, it's kind of, kind of going to look the same. And it, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of changes. Of course, going back to Belichick, that's, you know, that's obviously – not his his story you know he started out at Cleveland that was awful and now he's had you know an incredible run with the Patriots but when he was with the uh, he was the head coach at the Raiders it was a rough rough uh stint uh they went four and 12 uh his first two seasons and then his third season they started out zero and four and he was um uh fired now the one thing you can say and this is not to speak ill of anyone uh, or to try to be negative, but it was with the Raiders and they are, um, they are such a dysfunctional organization that they almost make Auburn who we'll talk about a little bit later in the college world uh, look uh, uh, functional and, 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 and calm and settled. So I will say that to his defense, but that being said, I think it's something to be excited about because he spent so many years in the organization has seen the way Sean Payton has done things uh, and can hopefully, you know, make it his own, obviously, but, but carry a lot of that forward. Uh, but I think it's, you know, most people receive it as a pretty good hire. It's kind of a hire that was talked about from the very beginning, just within, the, you know, within reporting, not necessarily from the organization's perspective, but within reporting, it, it was a, uh, a hire that was talked about almost immediately or a possibility. So I think most people see it as a good hire. Uh, and a good opportunity for Dennis Allen, and, and hopefully, you know, for the Saints, it goes goes well. I know that would makes make a lot of folks here in Louisiana happy if it does. Absolutely, and I'm afraid you may have just alienated our whole West Coast fan base. <laughs> Probably not, truthfully. <laughs> so here's a little love, a little love to you, Raiders Nation. We remember you played the Bengals in the first round of the playoffs, and you played them. It was a good game. It went it down to the wire. Game. So you, there's something to hang your hat on. It just didn't work out when Dennis Allen was there. And, and that happens sometimes. Sometimes yes. it's just not a good fit for whatever reason. Uh, I know the uh, folks in New Orleans are excited about this hire. He's got yes. big shoes. Sean Payton had a great run. And that's going to be tough to follow. But, uh, but hey, if you are in sports – whatever capacity, coach, player, I don't know anybody that doesn't like a, a big challenge. Absolutely. That's that's part of the competitive nature that gets you into into those places, is, is loving that challenge and see if it's something that you can do. Now, before we go back to the college ranks, Darren, what else, what other big news are you hearing out of the NFL? 
Well, the other big thing is still, you know, the Josh McDaniels hire uh, going to the Raiders. Uh, and we were Bill, talking about the Raiders a lot. Yeah, we have a West Coast slant tonight. Who saw that coming? Uh, are, are we are we courting a sponsor from the West Coast? <laughs> Maybe the Raiders. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing is that Belichick still has not uh, named a replacement at offensive coordinator. Uh, which still obviously puts Alabama fans in a little bit of a, a, a wait-and-see mode. Uh, but it's been really interesting over the last week to see a lot of the conversation about the uh, apparently what is a, a rather close conversation between Belichick and uh, Saban, uh, and that that may be what ultimately uh, decides if um, – Bill O'Brien ends up being the offensive coordinator uh, and, and creates that opening with Alabama uh, because Bill uh, O'Brien, excuse me, does have one year left on his contract. Um, and so there's a little bit of a nego- negotiation, but back and forth between Saban and Belichick about if, if what works best for both organizations. And, and really ultimately at the end of the day, uh, Saban has to give the go ahead so there's really a lot of, of pieces to that puzzle, uh, and, and no one really knows at this point because it kind of seemed to be a foregone conclusion that O'Brien would end up leaving Alabama and headed there. But it's really uh, up in the air right now, and, and most people seem to not really know what direction it's going to go, and it just is, is everybody's opinion at this point. And there's always a lot of opinion. Always, always, <laughs> especially around coaching circles. Now, there was some news also, I think, uh, did the Texans officially name Lovey Smith as their new coach today? Yes, I believe that went from speculation to to happening. Uh, and I think the hiring of, of, of Lovey Smith today, along with Dennis Allen, I think those that kind of rounds out the the vacant spots that have been uh, that were still open. Uh, and I think. I think everyone in the NFL now has their head coach. Uh, but, you know, Lovey Smith had a great run at Chicago, played in that uh, Super Bowl against the Colts um, several years back. Uh, so I, that's that's a really interesting hire. I'm glad to see him get another chance. Always seemed to be a real uh, standout guy uh, and, uh, a, you know, a, a great coach. Uh, just had some tough years. So, uh Glad to see them make that hire and, and, and hope it works out as a positive for him and the organization. There are guys who are respected across the league. Lovey Smith is one of those guys. So, oh, hands uh, down. I, I echo your sentiment. Hope, hope he does well with the Texans. Yes. Let's go back to the, the college ranks because there's a lot of drama going on in college football, and a mm-hmm. lot of it is coming from the state of Alabama. What are you hearing the latest about the Auburn coaching situation? I, I tell you, from everything you read and see and hear, it seems that Auburn uh, has turned into an episode of, of, of Days of Our Lives, you know, a, a daytime <laughs> drama. I, I think the AD is going to be nominated for a daytime Emmy uh, by the time this thing is over with. Yeah, uh, I'm, and, I'm thinking of Survivor. Who's getting voted <laughs> off the island? Well, I think everybody knows who's about to get voted off the island. They just don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's really just every angle you look at it it really is kind of a worst case scenario so you've got brian harson uh who uh in the process from from third week of the season when he fired his wide receiver coach to last week uh has lost six assistant coaches 
uh, one of which was his defensive coordinator that we talked about last week. But also, he's lost his offensive coordinator twice. Lost an offensive coordinator, hired a guy from the NFL ranks, came on board. I don't even think he made it 30 days. I think he was there like 28 days, something like that. And left for what was called personal reasons. And now you've had a large exodus of of players, uh, both as soon as he was hired and now during the offseason that have headed to the transfer portal. And then with Wednesday being um, the final national signing day, they signed uh, zero players on on that final national signing day. Now, they still had a really nice uh, class. I think they ended up number 18 in the country, or at least top 25 uh, in the country in recruiting class. But it has just, and it's really interesting that I think it was the president of the school put out a statement that said, we don't make our decisions based on social media and all of these different kind of things because uh, there's been a lot of, of, of outlandish things uh, from most reports thrown out there. Uh, but that it's most of it's off the field stuff. And, and as we've talked about before, we're just, that's not the road we're going to go down. But, but I still found it interesting that the president of the university, based on all of this social media, uh, uh, uproar that has happened over the last, especially the last few days, if not the last week, uh, made a statement on social media about how they don't consider social media. So that's just kind of how <laughs> the craziness of everything that's going on there. You've got a president, uh, the university president is on his way out. The AD is on his last year and has not had a contract renewal. Uh, the powers that be at Auburn, who are the, the most of the big money alumni, wanted Kevin Steele, uh, who was um, the defensive coordinator uh, that that was there uh, and then moved on with the coaching change. Uh, and he, that obviously did not happen. Uh, and so there, there's this belief out there that it's just a matter of time. Harson is going to be terminated. Uh, he's on vacation right now in Mexico. Uh, a lot of people believe that that's the only thing that's, that's holding, helping him help keep his job right now, that it's basically as soon as he gets home, he'll be in a meeting and he'll be terminated. And even though Kevin Steele, uh, who is, was a big hire uh, and a big get for uh, Cristobal at uh, Miami. Uh, most people believe that he was kind of campaigning for the job even before Gus Malzon was, was, was fired. Uh, and so if it were open and he was offered it, that he would make that jump and go back to Auburn as the head coach. But all of that said, uh, just in those couple of minutes, I, I just really kind of hit uh, about – three percent of what's been on in the last eight days and it just seems to be in a constant state of upheaval around anything and everything that is Auburn football right now and uh, unfortunate for Brian Harson, you know like him or, or not uh, you know he started out great then lost the last five games including a loss to Alabama which is just a no-no in Auburn uh, it just can't can't happen uh, so there, there seem to be some people there looking for a reason and it seems like it's not going to take that long He's been on the job, what, 14 months? Yes. And there seems to have been tension from the beginning, and I think you pointed it out spot on. The powers that be, the athletic director, who I believe has less than a year on his contract left. Yes. And that tension has never dissipated. It's never waned, and here we are today. And if he is terminated, he will be the third head coach, three of three out of the last three, to be terminated with a winning record and getting his buyout 
that will mean that Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson have all been terminated, even with a winning record. And the powers that be at Auburn will have paid a little over $51 million in pay in buy in payouts or buyouts to get rid of those three coaches that have winning records. Hmm. <laughs> a, a lot of money on the table. I mean, yeah. man, I, I get upset if I feel like I've wasted $5. Exactly. And these guys are throwing around millions upon millions uh, of dollars. And, and, you know, to just show you how crazy the money is in college football, when Terry Bowden left, uh, which was in the nineties, the uh, his buyout to get him out of his contract was 620,000. That's how much money has changed in college football in a very short amount of time, relatively short amount of time. Is a sticking point here. They need to, to show that he's being fired with cause. Uh, that That's what seems to have caused a lot of the social media, uh, uh, storm. There seems to be a lot of people trying to put um, information out on social media, you know, right, wrong, or different, indifferent, uh, that have to do with um, uh, co- coaching conduct, uh, even down to personal stuff that might go in, you know, get into a conduct unbecoming. But to me, or to, to what I've seen, a lot of that has not been verified. Um, and is is just speculation and, and rumor and nothing else, even down to you know how he treats players, a lot of that stuff. But it seems that all of that is out there because uh, with cause, which would eliminate the eighteen point two million dollar buyout, uh, is on the table according to to the people inside the Auburn athletic department. And that doesn't mean the end of the story because we've seen throughout the NCAA when this happens coaches get legal representation and come after the university. So yes. this could be going on for quite a while if they do decide to fire him. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing about it is it, it seems to me you've got to figure out a way to get, get those powers that be to, you know, those big money donors to, to just hold off a year. Uh, you know, the payoff, the payout goes down or the buyout goes down and, and we can look at the possibility of, we gave this guy two years. Now let's move on and and find you know your guy, whether it be Kevin Steele or whatever. But but I, I just I don't think he's going to get another year. Um, and it's just it's really unfortunate circumstance for everyone involved, especially the players. That's a lot to have going on in a fourteen month time frame. If you're a you know an eighteen to twenty two year old kid. Yeah, boy, that 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 is a lot. We will continue to watch that situation with uh, much interest. Alabama, however, is not the only place where a lot of drama is unfolding. Up in Michigan, wouldn't you know it, surrounding a guy named Jim Harbaugh, we've got some unfolding drama as well. Darren, what's going on up there? Well, apparently what has come out in the last uh, few days is uh, Jim Harbaugh was much more interested in the uh, Minnesota job than was initially thought and uh, had made it uh, known within the Michigan Athletic Department that if he was offered the Vikings head coaching job, he would go. And when that uh, became uh, knowledge and and known to to those inside the, the department, Josh Gaddies, who is the offensive coordinator, who had an incredible year, as a uh, as the offense coordinator of Michigan, the offense really took on a totally different look and feel and, and was extremely successful comparative to years past under Harbaugh. He made it known that he would be interested in the job and would be applying for the job if it came open. And apparently 
the details are, are, are not obviously known. This is all just, you know, unconfirmed reports, but apparently he uh, became rather confident that if he uh, were to apply, he, he would not get the job or, or may not even be uh, allowed to uh, interview. And so he began looking elsewhere. He sent up a, a um, text to several offensive players on the team at some point over the last couple of days that said he was feeling very unapp- unappreciated at the University of Michigan uh, and would advise them in, in any circumstance in life to never stay where you're not wanted. Uh, and then within just a little bit of time after that message being sent out to those players, he was announced as the new offensive offensive coordinator with Mario Cristobal at Miami. So great hire for Miami, great hire for Mario Cristobal and a very unfortunate circumstance for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. Don't really know what their next step will be. Uh, that's not been known right now, but, but a really difficult situation for that team and those players and for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you hate to see it, uh, but boy, it's, seems to be just part of the drama that's unfolding in and around college football in certain places right now. What do you make of it, Darren? I mean, what in what world does it, this happen where you go and you you publicly um you uh, publicly try to to um to get a job and it doesn't mm-hmm. work out and then you go back and say I I'm committed for life uh you know, I want to be, this is where I want to be for life. Mm-hmm. How do you process that? Cause something yeah. just doesn't seem right to me. I, I, the only place it works is in coaching. <laughs> There's nowhere else that that, that happens. Uh, you know, typically if, if you start, uh, you know, in just about any other circle or circumstance, if you start looking for a job and it's very well known that you're looking for a job, uh, by those uh, that uh, you work for currently, they're going to start looking for a replacement. And, you know, if your other job doesn't pan out, that might be your problem. You might, you might end up looking for another job uh, full time. Uh, and so, you know, th- this, this whole coaching thing of, of I'm not going anywhere and now I'm gone or I'm looking everywhere else, but nothing else panned out. I love this place. I'm going to be here for the next 20 years. I, I, I just don't it's part of the absurdity of everything that sometimes is the coaching world. It just doesn't, I don't think that it flies in any other circle uh, or any other world outside of coaching, both college and pro. I mean, how do you, how do you believe him as a fan? Yeah. How do you believe him as a recruit? Exactly. Uh, yeah. It just, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. You know, as, as a parent, can you imagine sitting in the living room now with your 18 year old son? Uh, who's looking at, you know, probably got offers from 10, 12, 15 places. And you've got this guy that's been in the midst of this NFL coaching shirt, Shane. But, you know, your our four years with you, with your son are going to be his best four years, and I'm not going anywhere. How do you buy that for a second? I, I don't know how you do. Yeah, that, that that's – and I don't know if that's just a Harbaugh problem. That's an uh, across-the-board problem. There's oh, so, definitely. so much movement. Uh, you know, and I think that's one of the strengths that a Nick Saban has. Uh, yes. Where he's like, look, I- I'm here. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, we, we don't know how much longer he plans to keep coaching. He looks great. He looks just as good as a guy's half his age. Yes. Uh, but he's not, he, he's not going to go look for other jobs or listen no. to other job offers. 
You know, I think he and, and probably Kirby Smart right now because he's play, coaching at his alma mater in uh, Luke Fickle, you know, because he's, you know, had every opportunity in the world. Those three guys probably have the most credibility of, hey, I'm not going any, anywhere uh, of just about anybody in college football right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Well, speaking of, of as we're continuing our discussion of college football, National Signing Day took place uh, a day after our podcast last week. So we had the final rankings uh, for the recruiting classes, the top 10. And, and Darren, what, what thoughts do you have as far as these final rankings? And we need to talk about the transfer portal rankings as well. Yes. Well, in the recruiting rankings, the fact that uh, A&M, Alabama, and Georgia ended up in the top three uh, and so your top three recruiting classes uh, ended up being uh, SEC teams uh, in Texas and Oklahoma who are on the way uh, to the SEC uh, also found their way into the top 10. Uh, so you have uh, five of the top 10 classes in the entire country are either SEC or soon to be SEC schools. And that just, again, reinforces exactly what we talked about last week, that SEC recruiting right now is just next level. And another little small tidbit on that is Texas A&M not only had the number one class in this ranking, when you look at it on paper and the ranking systems, it was the highest rated Uh, recruiting class of any recruiting class ever. Uh, The most five stars combined with the most four star. It was just, it was an off the charts uh, recruiting class that Jimbo Fisher uh, came up with. uh, And, you know, there's a lot of conversation around that, but, but to me, that's just an incredible to be able to say, this was not just the best recruiting class this year. This from a ratings perspective is the highest rated recruiting class in the history of, of college football recruiting rankings. It's a pretty incredible feat. Uh, yeah, Jimbo is going to have to win more than eight games next year. Uh, he cannot pull off one of those games where everybody expects him to win and they get beat, beat by three touchdowns, that's for sure. That will not go over well. <laughs> no, no. A lot of pressure in College Station with those recruits coming yes. in. Yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the transfer portal. And I guess the big news was Caleb Williams going to USC. I was kind of like, eh, you know, why did it take so long to announce that? Exactly. And, and you know, th- that what that, that did exactly what USC, what, what everybody uh, speculated it would do. USC went from, you know, kind of being middle of the road with transfer portal to the absolute number one ranked transfer portal class. Uh, but uh, Ole Miss and LSU uh, ended up right there in that top five. And most people believe that from a coaching perspective, when you put all of the pieces together, uh, Brian Kelly and Lane Kiffin really genuinely won the transfer portal for this year, which if you're an LSU fan with all of the conversation about Brian Kelly, that's a really, really nice thing to, to have going on. And, and for both those schools uh, to, to rank that high and, and do the things they've done with the transfer portal, hopefully for both teams will have immediate payoffs. Yeah, they, they did a great job. And, and speaking of Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, it seems – did you think that some of Jimbo Fisher's what, – what would we call it? His outburst, his breakdown <laughs> at that press conference about people insinuating they bought these players, which 
It's the days of NIL. Can we, exactly. You know, that that's fine that you did it. Just don't yep. lie about it and get yep. the sense that but uh the rumor was or the thought was that he was really directing those comments at Lane Kiffin. Oh, I think he absolutely was. And and I also think part of what kind of uh uh, irked him a little bit was I think Saban had made a couple of comments and which he probably because of his relationship with Saban and he worked with uh, Saban for, for those years he probably took that a little bit personal uh, even though Saban didn't specifically call them out he talked about NIL and its effect on recruiting but uh, there is no doubt that he was specifically uh, upset about Lane Kiffin because Lane Kiffin in an interview with 24-7 Sports said well you know w- w- we've got to regulate this thing some way because right now every different every school has a different salary cap i mean are they going to i think his exact words are they going to put some kind of luxury tax uh, on a and m for for what jimbo's spending to get his players so you know that didn't go over well uh and he was not a fan so um i think he definitely had those specific things in his mind with every word he said during his little rant there on on national signing day yeah yeah definitely well, let's. Uh, I know we got the USFL coming up, but let's let's go over to college basketball because we said the last few weeks we're going to start talking about college basketball, and things are heating up now. The closer we get to March, and there were some big games uh, this past weekend, and, and I know Darren, you you kept tabs on some of these games, and and you're watching uh, the AP Top Twenty Five. Uh, of course, Joe Lenardi, the seeds that he puts out. Who are the number one seeds? Who's the first in? Who's the first out? All mm-hmm. that, all that stuff around bracketology. So, Darren, what are you seeing in college basketball that has caught your attention right now? Well, I tell you, from the, in the SEC this weekend, there were some really nice games uh, that um, were some upsets. Of course, the first thing I have to mention is. You know, Vanderbilt uh, beat LSU uh, in Nashville uh, this weekend, and that was a big, big bump for Vanderbilt and a tough, tough loss for LSU. Matter of fact, uh, Will Wade is not having the best uh, uh, last few weeks. That was his fifth uh, loss in his last six games. Uh, You know, they were expected to beat TCU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and they did not. Uh, So that's... Uh, that's been a really rough uh, last six games for LSU. Fantastic game for Vanderbilt. So, what, what's uh, going on with LSU? I mean, this is a. I mean, they they started from where how they started off to where they are now. What has happened? You know, I, I think that's part of the the uh, what's gotten so much uh, attention about it from every angle is not only are are they on this incredible you know, losing skid. But nobody really can pinpoint it outside of they start slow, give up big leads, and then for a while, uh, you know, it's not the first six games they've done that. For a while, they were able to claw back and win those games. But here lately, uh, especially over the last six games, they have not been able to claw back and overcome those leads. You know, at one point uh, during the first half, Vanderbilt was up by as many as 21. Uh, which absolutely should never happen when a team with the talent of LSU is playing a team with the talent of uh, of Vanderbilt. Uh, and I'm a Vanderbilt fan, so I don't mean that to slight in any way, but, but truth is truth. So, you know, even in, in his, his uh, post-game press conferences, uh, you know, Will Wade has talked about, well, health and fatigue. I, I mean, he is, and, and I don't think he's making excuses. I think he's genuinely just grasping at anything because the, 
they can't. He's even talked about adjusting the way they practice it. They practice their times of practice, all of these different things to try to overcome these sluggish starts. And it's just not working. And it really doesn't matter what time the game is. Their sluggish starts, and 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 it's become a very difficult thing for them. Uh, that, that now they obviously aren't able to overcome them, overcome the the sluggish starts, and uh, it's it's not looking well. You know, other teams are peaking at the right time. Boy, they seem to be falling off hard at the worst possible time. Absolutely, uh, it's a mess right now. Can it get corrected? I, I don't know. The SEC was trending very strongly. You look at the latest AP Top 25, and now it's kind of looking like maybe the SEC is not going to get as many teams into the tournament as we originally thought. Now, there's still a lot of basketball to play, yes. uh, but things definitely have changed. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think about uh, a very interesting storyline this year is the being the final season for uh, coach K at Duke, one of the greatest coaches ever uh, built Duke into a powerhouse program. Um, any thoughts about what we're going to see in this last part of the season? Well, I tell you, if, if the way his players responded Saturday going into North Car- Carolina with it being coach K's uh, last chance uh, or last game there at North Carolina the way that team responded, uh, and it was it was their game to win, and and there was no other uh, option, and you could tell it with those Duke players from the very beginning, uh, and they ended up uh, beating uh, North Carolina by twenty, and that is just on either side. Even when one program is having a down year and the other program is having a good year, that game is not typically a 20 point ball game. Uh, and, and now North Carolina is not having the greatest year this year, even though they're still 16 and seven, but I, you could see the intensity that Duke brought to the, to the table. And here they are 19 and three, number seven in the country. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see the level at which those players continue to play. Their game has elevated all year long. I think part of that was responding to the history of what they're a part of. Uh, so it's really going to be a fun thing to watch and see if that intensity grows and, and, and how they respond and, and their level of play continues to to increase. They could be really, really difficult to deal with by the time tournament rolls around. Marsh Madness. I think, I think they're going to be a tough out in the tournament. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk about the number one ranking uh, because there's some discrepancy between the AP number one team and the coaches poll, which they're rarely, they rarely are the same all the way through. Right. AP has Auburn at number one. Coaches have Gonzaga at number one. Uh, What what are your thoughts on this? Is is Auburn for real? Boy, they sure seem to be. Uh, There seems to be just, uh, you know, they only have one loss. Uh, and, and if you look at a lot of those 22 wins that they have, man, they are big-time wins. Uh, maybe not necessarily against big-time opponents, but they have exerted dominance uh, quite frequently in games. Uh, but, you know, you can't, you can't really argue with what Gonzaga brings to the table. Uh, and I think that's going to be, uh, you know, Auburn is going to need to continue those winning ways and really show what they are to earn that high seed in the tournament, I think they need to have a good, a great SEC tournament, uh, and, and just continue to hopefully boost and, and earn that number one rating that they have in the top or in the AP, because a lot of the your um, computer ranking uh, 
type uh, uh, the websites where you've got like Kim Palm and Sager and you, you know those guys pretty universally across the board have Gonzaga number one and Kim Palm uh, has uh, Auburn all the way down to number nine. Uh, so I think I do believe that a lot of that has to do with that internal. You know, the SEC is a great basketball conference. But week in and week out, you don't always necessarily have those very, very high uh, um, uh, ranking opponents that you're going to be facing. So, so I think that does have something to do with it. But it's, I think, truthfully, and this, I must be on, on pattern to offend the West Coast as much as possible. I don't. I do think Auburn is much closer to being the real deal than Gonzaga is, or Gonzaga, however you choose to. So uh, it's going to be a fun thing to watch for uh, uh, Auburn this year, because I think they have a chance to really pull something incredible off. Bruce Pearl's doing a great job. That's probably not helping Brian Harson right now. Uh, uh, no. Since the football team, you know, but, but hey, they are excited. And I tell you, Auburn has become one of the toughest places to play. I mean, that, that arena is rocking for home games. It is a it, truthfully, it, it really is a um, pretty close to a, a Cameron Indoor and Duke type environment right now. I mean, y- you can tell it affects the level that the announcers are talking at uh, when when they're, when they're there at Auburn because it is a constant noise, which which is awesome to watch. Uh, but th- man, there it really is an incredible environment to play in, especially this year. Mm-hmm. And another team, don't count them out quite yet because has maybe Calipari has them together. Kentucky's always in the conversation, but they, they seem to be playing pretty well too right now. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as long as you've guys got, got guys like uh, Sheboy and, uh, you know, Ty Ty, those guys. I mean, what's, what's Sheboy bringing to the table right now every game? I, I think it was 15 boards and 15 points. Mm. When you got that in the paint – yeah, you've got it together. You, you, you've got the potential to have a really good night every single night when you've got that in the paint. And the guy's a good free throw shooter. You know, got a pretty, got a good uh, percentage of the free throw line. I, I don't think uh, that you can ever count uh, Kentucky out. And, and when you talk about guys like Kentucky and Alabama, uh, you know, LSU, if they get things back together, uh, and Auburn, so I meant the first time, but Alabama's having a decent year as well. It, it could be a really fun SEC tournament to watch. It, it, this is always a great time of year. Uh, yes. The conference tournaments and then, of course, the, the big dance. Uh, it, it's so much fun. And, and we will be doing our Bracketology, uh, the Brew and Shavers uh, special spin on Bracketology mm-hmm. uh, as we get closer to the tournament. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. But, Darren, uh, I had a question for you before we okay. start wrapping stuff up here. So – um, are you going to go for the uh, what you have the potential of making $75,000 in the USFL? Are you going for it? <laughs> I don't think I would qualify for their draft. I think that's the issue. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think they put in there that you have to have, have been on a college roster or an NFL roster, or I think that they actually said a professional roster because that includes the XFL. Uh, so uh, either way, I'm out. So, uh, oh, glory days just pass us by, don't they? they? Just keep getting farther in the rear view. Exactly. <laughs> well, 
what did we forget to talk about? Did, is there anything else we need to talk about? Uh, no, you know, we talked about USFL last week, and we can just say again that first game is coming up uh, on April 16th. Uh, so just barely over, you know, a couple of months away. And in, in that meantime, we've got some great basketball coming up. I, I think that'll pretty much cover us. I, I think you're right. Again, thank you listeners for sticking with us and listening every week. New episodes yes. drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You can listen to them on your favorite podcast platform at whatever time is convenient for you. Hope you enjoy the Super Bowl this week. We will be back next week to talk more football, to talk basketball, and whatever drama has surfaced since the last episode. <laughs> As the world turns. <laughs> so until then, y'all take care. Have a great week.